the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, September the 22nd, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 22nd, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation declaring all slaves in rebel states should be free as of January 1, 1863. If the states did not end the fighting and rejoin the Union. Today in 1776, during the Revolutionary War, Captain Nathan Hale, he was 21 years old, he was hanged as a spy by the British in New York. Today in 1911, pitcher, baseball pitcher, Cy Young, he was 44 years old. He gained his 111th and final career victory. He pitched a one-to-nothing shutout for the Boston Rustlers. Yeah, the Boston Rustlers against the Pittsburgh Pirates at Forbes Field. Today in 1949, the Soviet Union exploded its first atomic bomb. Today in 1975, Sarah Jane Moore attempted to shoot President Gerald R. Ford outside a San Francisco hotel. She couldn't hit him, though she missed. She fired several shots, and none of them hit the president, thankfully. Today in 1985, rock and country music artists came together and participated in Farm Aid. It was a concert staged in Champion, or, or Champaign, Illinois, to help the nation's farmers. And today in 1994, the TV show Friends debuted on NBC TV. A lot of people today are calling for people to become friends, national unity. The problem with national unity and the problem with unity politically is that unity never works out. When the Bible talks about unity, the Bible is talking about unity in Christ. If we try to unify ourselves, I'm not suggesting that everybody fight and nobody agree with one another. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we're always talking about unity. We're always talking about peace, and we should strive for peace in this world, peace accords and peace agreements and so on, because that keeps the world somewhat in balance for a short period of time, sometimes a longer period of time. But we always hear this, we've got to come together, we've got to be one in our community. Well, when the Bible talks about unity, it's talking about all of us from diverse backgrounds and different ethnics and languages and all of that being unified in Christ. And that is very different than being unified around a political or some kind of a, of a leadership goal. I mean, we can unify around things, but the unity that the world speaks of does not happen on the basis of anything other than Jesus Christ, the cross, him crucified and raised from the dead. That's what unifies people. That's what unity is about. And in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about unity, that's what the Bible is talking about. 
is us being unified together as one in Christ, not in the world. The world, Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. My peace is different. My peace comes from a unity with Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and the unity that believers have. I just, I felt that in such dynamic ways in the past when I was involved in missionary work. I, some of the darkest, dirtiest, filthiest, most, most corrupt corners of the world. I've been in some of the most gleaming cities as well, but I remember the dark corners of the world perhaps more vividly. And yet I see the unity. I, I felt unity with people. I, you know, out on the side of a mountain where there aren't even roads into the village in Guatemala, preaching and starting a church there and handing it over to the locals and so on. I I have felt that unity with people. There's so many dialects in Guatemala as an example, but there's so many dialects in, in Guatemala they can't even talk to one another. This generation is finally starting to speak more English and they're able to communicate, but when I was there some years ago, and in many other countries, but particularly Guatemala, they couldn't hardly communicate from village to village. Once you got out of the city, out of Guatemala City and a couple of others, I mean, they didn't know the dialect of the village that was 10 miles down the road or down the path. So there is, but there was a unity among the believers, and I felt that. I didn't understand what they were talking about. They didn't understand what they were talking about some of the time. But I felt the unity. We do not have that in America today. We are torn in so many ways, and yet we strive to come together in all of this, and yet we cannot come together except through Jesus Christ, ultimately. We can make attempts at it. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't work toward that. We should try to get along, not fight each other. But ultimate peace, ultimate unity is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Thousands of parents in cities across Canada participated in the One Million March for Children uh, Wednesday, day before yesterday. They had the goal of protecting their children from LGBTQ indoctrination and sexualization in public schools. It's a big deal. It's This particular story is... In a number of nations now, it's a global story. The Canadian press is reporting that marchers accused their school boards of exposing children to gender ideology. They said parents have the right to know whether their children are questioning their gender identity. At the same time, counter-protesters pushed for children to be taught LGBTQ inclusion, as they call it, and accused concerned parents of importing U.S. culture wars into their country. So the leftists in Canada say, no, we're, we're fighting among ourselves because the United States has imported their culture wars. Again, I repeat, they can never come together unless we agree that Jesus is Lord. The war, the fight, the battle will continue. In Toronto's Queen's Park, thousands of protesters on both sides faced off against each other, according to the Canadian Broadcasting Company, CBC. 
one demonstrator told the outlet he was, that's like their ABC, NBC, CBS, whatever. One demonstrator told the outlet that he was at the park to support children and the importance to maintain their innocence, voicing his concerns about gender curriculum and age-appropriate books in schools. If you don't agree with the homosexual movement that has taken over the culture, pretty much, if you don't agree, you hate them. That's the narrative. But I can tell you, I can only speak for myself. I profoundly don't agree with them, but I don't hate them. I hate evil. I don't hate them. I hate what their practices are, but I don't hate them. And some of them who know me know that's true. Most would assume that I hate them. You can disagree profoundly with anyone and not hate them. CBC reports there's a lot of political rhetoric going on right now about what's happening in our schools. They're quoting Nathan McMillan. He's a leader. He said, I think it's important that we keep kids out of these important discussions that really are between parents and their children, teachers and institutions, unions, big money. They shouldn't be having these types of conversations with kids in the overt fashion that they do. And boy, they do. It's very blatant. I mean, they're, it, they're what they're exposing kids to. I mean, it's just, it's stunning what they're willing to do if allowed to do so. The Toronto District School Board, Peel District School Board, Durham District School Board, these are all around the Toronto area, they all said they supported the LGBT community in statements issued before the protests, and that's part of what started this protest. But an estimated crowd of 2,000 demonstrators and 30 counter-protesters, they must have felt the minority, they gathered outside of this city hall where, with shouts of, leave our kids alone, coming from the parents. This is on national news in, in Canada. It's in the news here, and now it's in Europe and, and Asia. I saw this morning some stories from both areas of the world. We're not, we are not minority against minority. We are against ideology for kids. This one per, uh, mother said. Meanwhile, the country's capital at Ottawa, thousands of other parents and their children also took part in the march. The group Moms for Liberty, they tweeted a video showing scenes from the march. They were saying, leave our kids alone. That's kind of the rallying cry of the parents across Canada and America. And these Moms for Liberty said, we do not, capital letters, do not co-parent with the government. And that's exactly what has happened. The homosexual movement has won the hearts of the government, so to speak, or at least their interest. And now you're standing against the homosexual movement if you're trying to seek some kind of normalcy in raising your child. You're standing against the homosexual movement and you're standing against the government. And that's true in the United States as well, in, in this particular administration that we have, as well as it is in Canada and elsewhere. But this is in the news this morning. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he tweeted about the protests happening in the cities across the country, but he didn't offer any words of support to parents or families. They're protesting against this LGBTQ agenda in their schools. Instead, he came out with this statement. He said he termed the parents as they're conducting protests of hate. 
That isn't protests of hate. It's parents trying to protect their children from this demonic attack, trying to sexualize five-year-old kids and doing so in many cases. He said, let me make, Trudeau said, let me make one thing very clear. Transphobia, homophobia, biophobia have no place in this country. Somebody should stand up to him and say, well, Christian phobia doesn't have a place here either. Or normal phobia. He said, we strongly condemn this hate and its manifestations. And we stand united in support of, this is a new one for me. You know, all these letters and numbers and stuff. I mean, I I have not seen this one before. He said, we stand united. This is the Prime Minister of Canada. We stand united in support of 2SLGBTQI+. I haven't seen that combination before. I have no idea what some of those letters and pluses and so on mean, but it's the homosexual movement. He said, we do not support this. Canadians across the country, you are valid and you are valued. Nobody is trying to say they're not valued. Every person is valued. It's the abortionists that have decided every person isn't valued, and then that transforms or, or it, it, it extrapolates into other issues. And so we have, all of a sudden, if you don't agree with me, you don't even place value on other human beings. And that none of that is true. It's simply like the mom said, leave our kids alone, please. We don't co-parent our kids with the government. The Ottawa Police Department was prepared for the marches, of course, just like they were prepared for the truckers. Was it last year or a year before? We talked about it on this program. And I got a lot of responses from truckers that were listening to this program driving down the highways. And I said, God bless the truckers. And they appreciated that, and they should. They do a great service for America. We couldn't eat our Cheerios without the truckers getting them to the grocery stores. Anyway, the event organizer, this Kamel, told the crowd that gathered on Parliament's lawn that September 20 will be known as Families and Kids Liberation Day. We're just starting. September 20 will be Families and Kids Liberation Day. We will be relentless. We will be unapologetic. From Victoria, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, we will defend our children and parents' rights at all costs. Remember, we are the powerful majority. We are one nation under God. Keep our land glorious and free. He told the outlet, CBC, the march was celebrating Canada's beauty. (laughs) We're going to bring Canadians together again because Canadians have been protesting from coast to coast organically. He said, we brought together Protestant Christians, Catholics, Evangelicals, even some Muslims. They don't want the government messing with their kids either. He said, they're coming together to protect Canada's kids. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) Does that sound like a Canadian? In Regina, hundreds gathered outside Saskatchewan's legislative building in in March, according to the Canadian press. One demonstrator told the outlet she doesn't want her children to be exposed to gender issues while in school. That's all these people want. That's all we want in America. Please leave our children alone. But you know, this isn't new. This whole idea of capturing people's parent, children, parents' children, is not a new idea. 
This has been around for quite some time. You go all the way back to the earliest books, the historic aspect of the of the books of the Old Testament, Moses' writing, and particularly in the book of Deuteronomy. And I, I don't have time to go through all these verses today, but we never quite have enough time in our 30 minutes or 29 minutes. But um, if you go through that, at looking at that perspective, at the family perspective, there's a lot of information in the book of Deuteronomy, as you know. But if you look at it from the family uh, perspective, you see Moses continually encouraging parents or predicting that if if we become an obedient, a disobedient nation, these things will happen. And in in that book, he said, uh, of Deuteronomy, he says, you'll look on and your children will belong to someone else. And, and you, there will be nothing you can do about it. You, it'll be a, like a lost cause. They will have been co-opted by others, the enemy, and so on. And that's repeated in several different ways throughout the book of, of Deuteronomy. But the one thing I'd like to share with you today, in, in chapter 20 of Deuteronomy, the Bible says, and he, Moses writes, when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So shall it be when you are on the verge of battle, said that priests shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, it is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. I believe that is a promise based on the nature of God. God protects his people. Not to suggest we won't go through the battles, we will. The Bible is clear that we need to stand for righteousness, stand for what is right in regarding our children, in regarding our culture, in regarding all of the aspects, the social aspects, abortion, of course, we stand. But the promises of God are real and they're now as well as then. And God is with us, his people. Not that he prefers us to others, but it's that he said he would be with us. And he has said that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, everybody is included. You talk about inclusiveness. Inclusiveness started with God. It was consummated in front of the world on the cross outside the city of Jerusalem. That's what it's about. The coming together is in Christ. But the coming together is in standing for righteousness. And for the word of the Lord and God's plan and with the Lord. And, but expect God to stand with you and give you strength. I just had to get that off my chest this morning. That wasn't even part of what I had planned to talk about, to be very honest with you. But I just felt like we needed to talk about that a little bit today. I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Biden administration <laughs> He never stops. He never stops. He always keeps going. He uh, 
he's got this ID card for illegals now going. They started the conversation a year ago. But new images obtained by Fox News shed light on Biden's administration planned ID for illegal immigrants as officials look for ways to track the volume of migrants being released into the U.S., they say. Fox News and other outlets reported last year on the ICE Secure uh, Docket Card program. That's what they've been calling it. They've been talking about it for a year, but nobody's been paying much attention to it. I was because of this program. I don't think I talked about it. If so, it was just in passing. But now they're ready to launch this thing, and they're coming out with these cards. They look like driver's license, but they're not. I mean, maybe they can double as that. I don't know. But I didn't see anywhere where that was part of the deal. But they look like driver's license cards, kind of. So Fox News and some other outlets reported this last year. But now, as I said, they're about ready to launch this thing, and they're kicking it into gear. Fox says migrants who arrive at the border illegally and are not removed but instead released into the interior are often given a number of documents depending on their situation. The images show a card with a room for for a photograph, a QR code, identifying information, security details, and as well as ICE logo in the top left center. Like I said, it kind of looks like a like a driver's license. I wrote an article on this today. It's on our website, faithandfreedom, andfreedom.us. And you can see that, and I've linked to a number of sources uh, about this issue. But President Joe Biden's Department of Homeland Security is, is planning to give this photo ID, it has the photograph of the person on it, this photo ID to all the border crossers, the illegal aliens, before they're released into the United States. They say this will normalize the process. Well, the process of what? It's the process of not checking out who these people are. It's the process of just bodily, physically getting them into the United States by the millions. By the millions. So this new um, ID card was leaked. Officials with the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, they defended the program. They said for provisionally released non-citizen, these, the words they use, it's disgusting. They try to confuse the public. Anyway, for provisionally released non-citizen, what they mean is they catch people, they release them into the United States, and now they say you're going to go to court or you're going to have a hearing to see if you get to stay here in a year and a half. You promise to show up? Oh, yes, sir, senor. And, you know, they're in. Most of them, everybody says most of them never show up. Why would they show up? So anyway, this card is supposed to kind of solve that problem, but that's not the problem. The problem is letting them in in the first place. Anyway, they say this will, <laughs> this this is progress to the progressive. This this John Fabricorti, he's a former ICE official and advisory board member at this National Immigration Center for Enforcement. It's called NICE is the acronym. It says that the ultimate goal of the Biden administration is to limit illegal aliens' face-to-face contact with DHS agents as much as possible. If that's the goal, no wonder it's so chaotic. They don't want to have contact with these people? Well, we don't either. We want them to come in legally. More than a few are asking, what's the real motive with this? Fabricorte says it's a normalization of illegal immigration. No, it's not. It's a normalization of no borders on the South. 
Laura Rees, she's director at the Heritage Foundation's Border Security and Immigration Center. She she says, in fact, Breitbart News uh, published this yesterday afternoon. She says that House Republicans should act to stop the ID cards, among other things. She said, and I'm quoting her, she said, Congress, she's with Heritage. She, Congress needs to get a handle on the Biden administration turning ICE into another social services agency for illegal aliens and return it to a law enforcement agency that enforces the laws Congress made. She said, including detaining and deporting Biden's mass illegal alien population. ICE, I should be arresting and detaining and removing those who come here illegally, not doling out social services. I, these people, they're not, they're not trying to control the border and illegal crossing. They're trying to enhance it. Concerns expressed by lawmakers on the House Oversight Committee last year, they said they feared it was another Biden administration move encouraging illegal immigration by rewarding illegal immigrants for breaking our laws. That's exactly what it is. Why do they do this? Some lawmakers that kind of have common sense, they fear that this card will include QR codes that link to court documents and other information that they say raises security problems all over the place. I can see that. I'm not an expert on those kinds of things, but I can see that. This administration continues to normalize and make illegal immigration easier for those who disregard our laws. They... They reward the people who break the law, and they punish those who don't. And that is where we are in our culture today, thanks to the leadership. It's an amazing thing that's happening. The irony of this is, here's the irony. Last year, while the idea of issuing these ID cards were being discussed, the New York Post published this. This was last year when they first started talking about this. The New York Post said it is more than ironic that Democrats want to pass an ID card to the people who have broken our immigration laws while simultaneously opposing requiring the presentation of a voter ID on election day. Some of us have been saying they are very hypocritical. And here's the example of it. On the one hand, every time somebody says you should be able to verify your who you are when you vote because citizens get to vote non-citizens don't get to vote theoretically so every time somebody says well we just need a voter ID card and there is just this shrieking from the left and they say racism oppression you are trying to disenfranchise the blacks or the browns or whatever and they make anyone who suggests an ID card, a racist. And here they are, the left, (laughs) printing ID cards, but only for the illegal aliens, not the citizens, and their voting rights. Boy, I'll tell you, voter ID has become a patchwork with some states requiring a photo, but some states not requiring a photo, some states not requiring any ID at all, except for first-time voters. But if we had some uniformity within our voting system, we wouldn't be having this other discussion about voter fraud, and, and I personally believe it takes place. 
Well, we're out of time today. Thanks for being with me today. I appreciate that. And thank you for your support. We need it. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.